Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU Recruitniks, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to episode 40 of the Sooners 360 Recruiting Podcast. It is titled, More Sooner Stars Than a Party. Uh, I'm Chris Mason, recruiting analyst for Sooners 360. I'm joined by my usual partner in crime, Caleb Cummings, who provides uh, key analysis and recruit opinions on our message board, and more importantly, on this podcast. Uh, Matt Burns is tied up, and he's going to hopefully join us a little bit later if possible. But for right now, we're going to go ahead and start the segment that you all want me to start with, which is the large amount of recruiting news that's happened in the last seven days since we recorded. So we won't go over Taylor Tatum's commitment uh, from last Friday because um, Caleb and I did a special Tatum podcast. So if you have not listened to that yet, please take some time to listen to that. We go in depth into the number one running back in the country committing to the Oklahoma Sooners. So, Caleb, we've got three commitments to talk about this week, and two of them I was not really expecting. One was booked, and uh, Caleb and I have been very like laser focused on the 24 class and what was happening with the 24 class. Um, watching film, rewatching film, uh, keeping an eye on all everybody going where, who's making decisions. So the class of 2025 kind of snuck up and, and, and slapped us in the, fla- in the face this week. So we'll start with that as part of our commitment rundown. So the first commit, and I think this is just a great pickup for OU, was Eugene Brooks from uh, Chatsworth, California, Sierra Canyon, big-time program. Uh, Eugene is 6'3", 6'4", uh, probably around 320, 330 right now. He's originally, uh, apparently, he's a teammate of Javante Barnes uh, from high school. He was at uh, Desert Pines High School in Nevada with Javante Barnes. They were teammates. Javante was all over Twitter saying how we got one of his boys, one of his guys. And again, DeMarco Murray, his his Vegas connections kind of just extend everywhere because 
in uh, Brooks's OU commitment tweet, he retweeted DeMarco as well. I was like, why is he retweeting DeMarco? And that's because DeMarco is Mr. Vegas. He owns Vegas and uh, helped get Eugene. So we're, we're going to let you, Caleb, do his big analysis there. But I really like Brooks on film. He's gone through, he's gone to, over the last sort of, I think, 18 months, he's dropped about 60 pounds of bad weight. That's a lot. The, his sophomore film, I think, is he's carrying some of that bad weight. And uh, if you're on our message board, you know, Caleb was able to look at some of his spring camp footage and he just looks physically form wise. He looks a little leaner, a little tighter. So I think, you know, you got to give Brooks a lot of credit for dropping that kind of weight in high school. And it bodes well, that kind of commitment and discipline bodes well, I think, for him being an offensive lineman under uh, in the Jer- under the Jerry Schmidt regime. I think kids that, you know. Ashton Sanders is another example. He dropped a bunch of weight on his own. And you could just see at Oklahoma, he's just, he's looking really good. He looks really lean. He's putting on good weight. It's just an example of, and those guys do that in high school. It just, when they get into a structured regimen, don't you think, Kelly, when they get into like the OU structured regimen, it's just like enhancing what they were trying to do on their own. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, pouring jet fuel on it. It's, you know, it's, it's like anything, right? They've made the decision of, hey, I want to be here physically. I got, I've got to get better. Here are the things I've got to do. Uh, but you know, you're you're 16, you're 17 years old, right? And I know it's the internet's out there. To, it's, it's easy, easy not, not to. Be doing easy them. not to. It's it's also easy to not be able to optimize what you're doing. Yeah, you're like you're just working hard, and because you're working hard, you're you're seeing a change and you're getting better. You know, but then you get to Norman, and you know, you get with a guy like Jerry Schmidt, who is, you know, I mean, there's you and we talked about this when he announced he was coming back. You could probably say. Uh, you know, Doyle at Iowa and Jerry Schmidt. Well, Doyle's not at Iowa anymore, but uh, their previous strength and conditioning coach. Uh, but, you know, him and then and then Jerry, you would have to look at it and say, okay, you know, the offensive line is a developmental position. Show me the strength coaches over the last 20 years, really. It's that long of a track record that have done consistently the best at developing those types of guys, you know, and it's, and, and right now, you know, with, with, with him, with Chris Doyle, no longer being a uh, collegiate strength and conditioning coach, there's not a peer likely really that Jerry has. He just excels at it. And he, yeah. And like you said, when you get the kids in there that are already trying to do it on their own and he's able to really just hyper-focus that direction and give them a detailed plan of like, all right, this is what you want. And here's more how, structure here's how we'll get there. Yeah. And more support, right? Like, Hey, we're, if you're positive about this, we're going to give you all the positive forces behind you, right? Exactly. It's like, it's like you're, it's, it, you're like, it's, it's, I like, like, a, it's like you're putting four jet engines into their drive to improve, right? Like he's moving and he's trying to improve. And all of a sudden, Jerry just, Jerry comes I mean, and puts two engines behind him and just drives it further. It's yeah. Like, I mean, look okay. at like, such a good example. Like there's two that always jump out. And obviously, one being Duke Robinson, who's probably like the, the best story where, was 400 pounds or something when he got to yeah. Oklahoma yeah. and Oklahoma, you know, this is at a time in, in the early to mid two thousands and nobody you know, that's younger, maybe doesn't remember it. I like, I wouldn't say that uh, again, kind of show a little bit of a country boy here that things were held together with bailing wire and duct tape along the offensive line, but there was a lot of attrition. It, yeah. it, you well, know, I mean, there was a lot of oh, attrition. Oh, you made it through the 2000 national championship season. I think with six, Healthy bodies on the offensive line. 
Yeah. And, and, uh, I can and, 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 and there were times when that maybe actual number was really like five. There's like stretches of the games where like they didn't have a backup offensive lineman at all. It was like the NFL, you know, NFL teams running like, you know, with only like six or seven offensive linemen due to injuries. And, you know, they, somebody else gets hurt. You know, I don't know who, you know, tight ends playing. So, yeah, it was. It, it was a you difficult. Know. It was a difficult. There was a lot of attrition. Mangino had a lot of attrition. Kevin Wilson, at it times, was, had some I attrition. Mean, they worked the guys hard, and it that's was, exactly what it was. It was you were going to be tough, and you were going to work hard, and we were going to be physical, yeah. and, and and that's that was the standard. And if you didn't, you're out. And you know, offensive lines hit and miss anyway. But you know, I bring up Duke because he was a good example of a guy that 400 pounds. I think it was like a 2005 class, but they knew, hey. We're going to need you in 2006 because we're that we're just that way, you know. And they put together a plan, and you know, there were all those pictures coming out. I remember, you know, if you recall back in the day, oh, right, yeah. where you see him get to campus, 400 pounds, and then you see the, the the pictures of him coming out from the first spring practice down 70 pounds. It was like, what is that? Uh, but who did, Colin, who did that? Colin, who did that? Yeah, Colin Montgomery is another really good example, and I know he just transferred to Memphis, but you know he, he was, was he was working hard. It's just just talent level wasn't right. Exactly right. You know he just didn't have some of the things yeah. like he, the bad eval, that, bad eval, that, it just that Brooks, the Brooks does have. Yeah, you know particularly the number one thing in that list being like the ability to bend your knees and move your feet. I guess that's two, but like being able to drop your butt down and play with it underneath you, right? Centered, at balance. Uh, and, and, you know, it's it's so important. And you can get away with it in high school when you're just so much bigger than everybody else. Bad technique, they can't get around you. You can manhandle them and throw them around. But, you know, Colin's a good example of another guy that when Jerry got there, you know, and I've, I've oh, yeah. been, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I kind of went in pretty hard on, on the previous strength and conditioning staff. It was because to me, there's also some health factors with Benny Wiley and what they were doing, letting guys like Colin get up to 380 pounds or whatever. Like you're, there's a dereliction of duty here. Like just like what you need to be doing to like to help humans. Okay. But outside yeah, yeah, of like yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Jerry gets to town and he was down to 315, 310. The kid lost 70 or 80 pounds, you know, from the time Jerry yeah. showed up to this past spring. So, I mean, you Brooks does not need that in any way, shape, or form. I think he's to your point, he's he's done a fantastic job already. You know, when you pull the and go to the site and take a look at it, but the clips I posted were from a camp setting in 2021 and the next, you know, comp to take a, a look at and, and and really kind of compare where he's come was was this past spring in 2023. And you see in 2021, hey, here's a big, strong kid, but he moves his feet you know, when he can, but again, he's, he's winning based on sheer size, right? He's athletic enough to be in front of the guys. And then that camp setting again, he's just bigger and, and the defensive linemen cannot, you know, move him off the spot. Uh, you watch it in 2023 and you see a kid that has shed a ton of weight. He's playing with his, but he's, dropping his butt, he's kick sliding, he's moving his feet. And you even see it when you look at his calves and his thighs and just look at his body. It's leaner <laughs> everywhere. Caleb, uh, Caleb, Caleb analyzes everything, guys. Everything. Yeah. In case yeah. you're you wondering, no, no, yeah. <laughs> no, no stone unturned in our attempt to give you guys the best opinions on players. Oh, it, but you know, the thing, and I, I've seen people say, I think Barry on the site said Marquise Hayes, and I've seen people say Tyrese Robinson, uh, to some regard, I and what I'm about to say, you're like, ugh, because he may never, never reach this. The comp I kind of give in some ways is Cody Ford. 
I think that yeah, he's, I kind of, I kind of like, I kind of like that comp too. Yeah, yeah I, I can see I, that. Yeah, and Cody was a guy that when he was three forty or three, almost three fifty early on, he had to play guard, and then he got down to whatever it was three twenty, and in yeah. the system they ran before, you could at least play him at right tackle. You know, well, when yeah, you watch, I mean, it was, he yeah, was just, a monster. I mean, you know, I we're off top, we're way off topic here, guys. But I, I had images. I'm talking to a buddy of mine. And I was like. And could you imagine if they could have kept if they had Bobby Evans and Cody Ford and Hayes blocking for Hertz in 2019? Huh. I mean, yeah, you know, if, if you hadn't had, I mean, Eric Swenson, good guy, doing his all body he just could, fell apart. Yeah, good doing all he could for him. And then Proctor, the Virginia transfer, you know, again played well, good guy. But if you'd had Bobby Evans and Ely, and then you'd had Hayes and Ford inside with Creed Humphrey. Blocking for Jalen Hurts and our running backs that year, I, I, I think some 400-yard rushing days would have been in your future. I mean, it was it was because that was a good you know that they they ran the ball brilliantly that year with a low line that was not anywhere near as good as the O line the year before. So if you'd had to have yeah. some of those pieces inside, especially Cody and and Hayes at guard, so I, I'd get the Hayes Robinsons comparisons and and. With with four years of Schmitty, maybe we're, we would have seen difference in Hayes and Robinson. I think both of those guys could have been, you know, their ceilings were greater than what we saw. But yeah, it's, I agree. Brooks, Brooks is and and to to Barry uh, Barry did a great analysis on Brooks. But he and one of the things he just mentioned is that guy. It's something funny. He loves burying people, and occasionally he likes to pick them up after he slammed them into the into the ground. It's kind of funny. Like he just. I'll drive this guy. And he's just like, oh, sorry, dude. Did I hit you too? He's like, trying to, you know, I mean, part of me's like, don't, don't extend a hand to that guy. But, yeah, it's funny. Me, I think, I think the part same of, way. Part of me's, part of me's like, but on the other hand, hey, I just buried you and I feel sorry for you is almost kind of a, a it's almost like a, a deeper, like, psyops warfare weapon, right? Oh, man, I'm so sorry I killed you. Let me, let me, let me, let me pick you up a little bit so I can, yeah. so I can do this, so I can do this again to you. So, I mean, you know. I, I think I, I know. To, from him as a prospect, like projection, I think he absolutely is. I think he's an interior guy. Uh, and I think he is his ceiling and how he'll fit, particularly as you get into the SEC. I mean, it, tell me if Perfect. I'm wrong here. It's part, it absolutely is yeah. in a league that is going to, that has big, bigger guys, stronger guys in the interior. And that's really, you've heard Stogner talk about it and some others. Yeah. They've said like, yeah. Hey, the, that was really the only difference is, you know, there's more teams that have, you know, some difference, some different dudes in the, in, in, along the the line. And so, I mean, he's, he's ideal. He is that guy. Cause when you, again, when you watch his film, the number one thing that I, I notice, particularly in the 23 camp setting is, when he when his feet are right and he's kick sliding and he's you know he's playing with good technique, when he latches on to guys and he he again he sets down right he he gets his plane under his you know got his butt underneath him. None of those guys are coming close to being able to bust his base. I mean he when he anchors you're done and that's why I, I wouldn't I couldn't compare him to Tyrese because to me his hands and the upper body he's so much stronger than what Tyrese was, you know, Tyrese was a, a big guy that, you know, let his weight get out because he was always more athletic in high school. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He needed and, somebody to get him down to a well-toned three ten, and then he would have been yes. a much more effective player, but very different. And so, yeah. And I think, you know, to me, you look at Eugene Brooks and he looks like 
one of those guards you would see LSU and Alabama rolling out with, you know, just for years when it was, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette in the backfield or, you know, uh, Mark Ingram and these guys, I think he'll fit in perfectly. He'll be able to hold up against physically against anybody. Uh, you know what he's one of these guys, right? He'll, he'll be about as good as he wants to be just in terms of, you know, uh, going to be a multi-year starter, got the potential to be just, just go work for it. And he's the number, you know, he's the second bill commit, which is good. Let's, you know, offensive line recruiting is not quite the, the flaming Hindenburg. Oh, the humanity disaster. Uh, we thought three, four weeks ago, it's not anywhere ideal, but you've got two guys that you really liked two guys who have, I think, really good ceilings, really good athletes that fit that fit the things they're weak at bill can fix and the strength and conditioning stuff they need. Schmitty can give them. So it's. Yeah. And that's the other thing, right. To your, to that point, like the, the things that you want from a tackle, at least my thoughts, right. Like I want an athletic guy that's not carrying a ton of bad weight, that can move his feet and is really long. Right. Wingspan. 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 You you can push, you can, you actually have the ability maybe to hold off a PJ Adeware off the edge. Right. You you yeah. have the you can match his wingspan on some level, hopefully. Yes. And and then you know, that's what Autry gives you. And then on the interior, you know, give me uh, you know, again, I want athletic guys that can move, but you know, also give them some beyond that, give me people movers, you yeah. know, and, and I think that's what you're getting in Brooks. Well, let's flip over to 2025 and talk about someone who um is is was stopping people movers from moving him and We'll talk about Kamori Moore, the nose guard prospect from uh, uh, Lee Summit North, the uh, school that PJ Adeware came from and the school that Williams Winery is from. So Kamori is a, the film we've got on him is sophomore film. And I'm like, okay, again, it's solid. Yeah. We're looking at sophomore film. And um, he's 6'1, you know, 2, 3, 10, 3, 15 in that film. Um, based upon some reports um, from some of uh, other podcasts, looks like he's dropped some weight. He looks leaner in the photo at the party at the past. At the sorry, soon as under the stars, he looks looks like a lean guy. He's got a good wingspan. So uh, he went ahead and committed to OU just at the evening at the evening under the stars. Um, kind of a, I'm not sure if it was a surprise. I think most people thought OU had a lead, but I think the timing of perhaps is is fortuitous. Um. Caleb, um, you know, we're going to do, we're apparently going to do evaluations and news at the same time. That's fine. We'll just throw those things together here and skip that section. I think more, uh, I thought for a sophomore, he did a really good job stopping the run, showed some good explosion to get into the backfield. He has an unnack, uncanny ability to knock down passes when he's rushing the pocket. Uh, I think there's a, there's a lot to like here. And I like the fact that OU has grabbed a, uh, an early nose guard because you got Jaden Jackson and now you've got Kamori Morris. So you're starting to build some depth at the athletic nose guard position, which had kind of been ignored by the the previous coaching staffs for a little while. It's been a little while since we could say OU's building quality athletic nose guard depth. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's just been a while since Oklahoma has had guys at, at the nose guard position that. We're really, just be, I think for being honest, we're actually problems for the opponent. 
You know, I yeah, mean, yeah, Neville Gallimore is yeah. more athletic, uh, played the three technique, you, you know, a Perry on flash, but it was his three, uh, you know, he had some moments here and there where he, he did, you know, show some power inside. And he also had a moment where the two lane offensive lineman literally picked him off of the ground and body slammed him because <laughs> he got his pads too high. Right. Uh, so he's, it was hit or miss. I think he was just more athletic three technique type, uh, you know, it's just been, man, it's been a while since Oklahoma has had a, a guy. You know, the, that the last been... guy who flashed anything was Devontae, rest in peace, Lampkin. Yeah. No, it's a, yeah. I mean, and he, he was, was what, 6'3, 340. He was having a little, a little too heavy, heavy, but he's yeah. the last he guy. A... He's the last guy, right? I mean, the last yeah. big, effective off defensive tackle, we, defensive nose guard we've had. Just a great example of a guy that had, you know, all the ability to kind, yeah. kind of be what he wanted to be. And, you know, Sometimes those big guys, uh, you know, motor is, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is, right? Motor can be, yeah. can run hot and cold. So, I mean, uh, and let me, I will preface it this. We've, I've joked, right? Like I just have a really difficult time watching high school sophomore film and knowing, Hey, these guys hit puberty two years ago. <laughs> They're probably not driving a car. They're 15 years old. Uh, and then projecting like, what are they going to be when they're 18 or 19 on a college campus playing against other guys? Uh, it's difficult. Having said that, Kamari Moore, I mean, my first thought when I watch him is how is he a sophomore? Yeah. You know, he's, he's again listed at 6'1 to 6'2, anywhere from, I think he has got down to around 290, but him getting to 290 was just shedding baby fat, right? He's still... Yeah, fantastic he's, he's, looking guy physically. He's got, he's got, he's he could be, you know, just an absolute brick, you know, blank house oh, around around yeah. three ten, around three ten, three fifteen. Because his lean form looks like he could throw on 15, 20 pounds of just, you know, badass muscle to be a, yeah, a, a scary good, weight. Yeah, because it's going to go on. It's going to go on, and you know, he's going to be barrel chested and you know, thick legs and huge arms and shoulders and like that. Uh, you know, looking like a Grady Jarrett type guy out there, yeah, just you yeah. know, move throwing folks around. Uh, no, I mean, he's, you know, you see the six one or six two and think maybe oh, it's a little on the short side, not for nose guard. Like that's what you want. I want guy. You want guys that from a leverage perspective, like they. They're winning almost just naturally, you know, particularly when you're playing that shaded one, you know, you're just making at the end of the day, you're making a center's life just absolute hell, you know, unless you got a guy. I think that's one of the things that makes Creed so special is I think, you know, if I look at, it, I think his, it's his core strength. It's just his overall strength, right? Cause it's, it's not just core, not just legs and upper body, but he's a, I think, you know, he's north of 450 in the bench. He's, you know, Creed's a, like a powerlifting champion type guy and was a wrestler. And he's able, the, what makes him so successful as a center is his ability, those guys that are head up, that are monsters. It's okay because he is just as strong. So when he lashes on, now it's a stalemate. But when you don't have, you know, the world's first or second best center, you know, when you've got these types of just fire plugs over a center, it makes their life hell. Say hey, this guy is underneath me. I'm trying to snap the ball. I'm trying to make the calls. And then I've got to deal with this guy that is just a bull from a strength perspective. It's already underneath my pads. And now I've got to try to get, you know, position me between him and the ball or, or try to move him off the ball. Uh, you know, I think, I think more, I, I think I said this on, on the board to me, he's a guy that I think 
potential could be a top 150 guy. I think I look at yeah. like a Tyler, a Tyler Davis, uh, yeah. who's playing at Clemson right now, who was going to exit Clemson as a four-year starter. Very similar. The thing that there's two things that jump out about more, uh, Again, it's probably because he's a sophomore they jump out so much. One is just how good he uses his hands. It's surprising because, you know, and you know, even go back and watch Gerald's Gerald McCoy's high school tape. And I remember this at the time. He was so quick and so big, but what he was not, he, he had not had Jackie Ship working with how to use his hands. And so it was just, I'm beating you off the ball. I'm penetrating up the field and I'm by you. I'm, not, I'm, an, I'm a, just a superior athlete. Yes. The other parts of his game hadn't, you know, developed yet. Yes. And when you watch, you know, this, you know, uh, Kamari's high school tape, you know, that's games changed a little bit, right? There are people around these three, three fives. Uh, and that's what he is. He's playing head up over the the center and it's just, Hey, get after that guy. So seeing how good he is with his hands at that young of an age is shocking is really, really surprising because you just don't typically see that. And he's got a number of, you know, uh, whether it's like push pull techniques or just chopping and just, you know, he it's, it's, I'm really surprised to be quite honest with you. And the other piece is just how athletic he is, like how well he moves his feet and you see him getting penetration and getting up the field, which we know as Oklahoma fans last year, even when Oklahoma got into a, a three down, you know, you're in, they were in a three down, one gap defense. So people are still, you know, you're trying to penetrate and get up the field, but you know, it didn't matter who the nose was when they got put head up, they struggled to get an edge of an offensive lineman and get up the field and, you know, generate any, uh, create any havoc. He, you know, he doesn't seem to have that problem. I know it's the high school level, but what he's going to be in two years. Yeah. It's, you know, and he's got the potential to be the type of guy that, you know, Continues that development, walk into Norman and be like a Tyler Davis. And hey, you got a guy that's we're gonna rope, we're gonna throw in the rotation. And these guys, you know, Jaden Jackson, who's a who's a different kind of player, but philosophically they're sort of similar, I think, in terms Very, of what they yeah, can I think to, you know, absolutely. Not, you know, just makes the just makes just makes the potential David Stones, Grayson Halton's, Ashton Sanders that much more effective, right? Because they got a big, you know, when you've got a you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, can Holton really play at 290? He certainly can if he has a 315-pound nose guard next to him. Exactly. And he's, and he's using that explosion to terrorize, you know, to terrorize offensive lines. So that's, you know, David Stone, you know, um, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, you know, later coming up. But, I mean, he's, you know, you want him at 6'4", 290, 295. You want the burst. You don't necessarily need him getting up to, like, 315, 320. You want the... You know, Gerald played the majority of his uh, OU career around 290, 290, 295, because that's just how that was the best weight, you know, speed weight combo for him. So absolutely. All right. So it's a little tougher with linemen and defensive linemen, but maybe 2025 film on the skill guys is maybe a little easier to make a read. So the next surprising commit was Elijah Thomas from Dakota. Oklahoma, uh, he committed. I think everyone thought OU was leaning, and he's a big OU lean. I don't think the time frame was anything anyone was expecting. He's like 6'1", 185 pounds, could be a wide receiver, could be a DB, could maybe, maybe, maybe an athlete. And we'll talk a little bit about OU's wide receiver, 25 recruiting here in a bit. But I got to say, my, my knee jerk, his, his highlight film is like 14 minutes long. So first off, Elijah, 
like three minutes, your first three minutes are enough, dude. It's so my, my knee jerk reaction, Caleb, when I watched his first like three minutes and I hadn't watched it in forever was like, wow, man, this kid, this kid is, this kid could be a top 50 type player in the country. And that's kind of silly to say with so much left of his high school career to go, but uh, on film, he just, he looks freaking dynamite. Yeah, uh, you know, and I haven't said this. I don't have think I've said it to you aloud. The first time I watched his tape, uh, so back in, oh, I think we were probably prepping for one of these, and you sent me a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it was in the, in the spring, January. the spring, in the spring, yeah. January, something like yeah. that. Yeah, he was coming yeah. to campus. I was like, hey, look at this kid's film. He just got offered. Yeah, and, and my first thought was, gosh. You know, because I think Oklahoma maybe had already had gotten Grayson Harris or it was close. And there's all these guys that, I mean, yeah. Emmett Jones is just, he's killing. It's like almost you don't look at him like, hey, do you want to go recruit another position for us? Because <laughs> you're kind of, you're going to have receiver may, locked up may, for the next 10 years. He may be years. done by Christmas. For, I mean, it's wild. For 25. For, for 25. Uh, I would say though, Elijah Thomas is probably my favorite receiver in the class. I like him more, I think, than anybody else I've seen. If you want me to give you like a really recent comp, I like him as much as Micah Hudson, if not a little bit more. I think he's a almost like a I, I know I've heard. Wow. Okay. All right. I've heard. Okay. I, I, I don't like think, him. I think, you know, I think if he gets the right, if he goes to the camps and the right events and stuff like that, yeah, I, I don't think five star is out of the question. Well, I mean, I just, from a, looking at the body type and watching the tape, like, I, and I know I, there's so much, you just nailed it, right? Like, are you going to go to camps? Are you going to play this song and dance? Are you going to do these things? If you yeah. do that, your, your chance of being ranked that high is a lot different. You know, you look at uh, McKinley, defense tackle from Louisiana, who we've talked a lot about. He's a five-star by people that know what they're looking at and other folks don't have him there. But if he'd have gone to any camps, he'd be probably a top 10 player in the country. Yeah, I remember looking uh, at his film and I'm like, what, what the hell am I missing? Well, he's, I mean, to me, the comp for him, you know, yeah, to me, the comp for him as a recruit is Mason Smith, the defensive tackle that's at LSU. And he was the number, number one, number two, number three player in the country coming out. But I mean, so the thing about Elijah is same thing. We were watching his film. I think it's maybe a second or third where he takes a quick bubble, gets the corner and when he turns it on and goes, you're like, okay, he's, he can't outrun all those guys. He can't, and they, you know, two of those guys have angles. And then I swear, and I hate this, but the camera, you, it, miss it, it doesn't miss quite it. catch the it. last yeah, kid. Yeah. And I'm going, but he runs, he scores it's like a 70 yard touchdown. I'm looking, okay, I'm thinking to myself, did he run through that arm tackle or did he actually Burn beat through. that ankle? If he if he burned through that angle, like my God! But you then you know you look at the kid physically. I mean, and then he's the, and then high the other cut. Highlight, the other highlight, the bomb pass where you don't see him separate, and oh, well, you, you don't you, you can't see the camera. He, the, the quarterback out throws the camera view, and then all, all you see is like the aftermath as as Thomas is like strolling into the end zone after having, you know, out jump beaten the DB or something for a touchdown. It's like we we would have liked to have seen that the that part too, camera guy, please. Oh, you know. I mean, yeah, you, there's there's uh, everything about it. Like there's one of my favorite where you see him run. I think it's either a slant or it's a it's a dig, um, you know, but he comes off and the ball gives a little stutter, takes off. And when he does, when he breaks in, the ball's high. He jumps up and catches it. And you've got a linebacker that's, you know, that's, that's widening. You've got a safety that's coming down and the corner has put his foot in. is trying to get him. He catches the ball, turns up. 
and just blows by everybody. And you're like, oh, okay. And like, it's, it's you're just like, ooh, really. Ooh, wow. Like yeah. it's a, it was a wow moment. I know exactly the highlight. I'm kind of like, that's the one yeah. I was like, I think that was when I turned it off. Like, you know, I don't really need to see any more of them. Oh gosh. No, as I watch him, like what he looks like is he looks like all of these receivers. I mean, minus uh Marvin Harrison Jr., because he's a different he's six three. He's a bigger guy. He looks like he looks like one of these guys that has been landing at uh at at Ohio State these last few years. Like that's exactly what he looks like. Jimba, um the guy with the Jets, is it Wilson? That's right, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. The, The Texas, the Texas wide receivers that you know we we didn't we didn't sign. So um, <laughs> that's right because we were signing other texas guys who um either got hurt or are well i think he's not i don't think he's in jail but and trajan bridges is trying to get his life straight good for him but you know doesn't doesn't help us any that we took we took him instead of focusing on garrett wilson um so yeah i mean i like i mean for these two kids i mean when you think about the four OU now has four commits for 2025 and we're going to talk about the class 2025 a little bit more in depth. I mean, these two additions are big. I mean, in-state, and then you add a defensive lineman um, who, again, is, is, is a nose guard. It allows you to go, okay, now we can focus, we can focus on finding a trying to find what trying to find what we think is a, an elite three technique in this class. It's just, it's really big commitments. And um, and you know, I, I was surprised by Thomas, I think more than more. I thought more was, you know, kind of like there were there were a lot of crystal balls and forecasts going in, and people have been hounding, obviously, the Lee Summit North uh, coaching staff or anything about Williams Winery. So they probably got tipped off a little bit to saying, Hey, I think, yeah, I'm taking, you know, Jamar Moses, yeah, I'm taking uh Kamori down for the for the OU junior day. And and uh he he seems really high on OU right now. So that was not so that that's the question for me, like is like obviously like it how much does that play into it do you think right like just it's it obviously everyone's like you know it's 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 almost a reverse situation of Jaden jackson and david stone right where if you ask me david stone really recruited Jaden jackson to ou to have his nose guard running mate right i mean that's what it looks like because yeah i mean yeah so he was up there for his visit so is so is Kamori Moore telling us that Williams Ranieri is really leaning to OU and he wants to play with his good friend in college, or is it is it just an isolated incident that Hayden Green is there, Kamori Moore is there, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. But it's sure sounding like Isaiah Mosey is going to be in Norman as well. So that's uh, uh, and it, I would my that, take so, on that would be that's got to be soon too. Yeah, yeah, because. Um, because because receiver spots for twenty five are filling they're, up. They're flying off. They're flying off the, uh, the 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 board. We'll talk about that here. But yeah, I I I don't think you can ignore the weight of those relationships and those friendships. And you know, if if you know, we'll talk a little Williams Winery right now. So everyone thinks that you know it's Missouri's making a big push. And if Missouri has any advantage, it would be distance, maybe right. I mean, just pure distance. But when you're talking about the fact that, you know, when Ari's parents can ride to OU games with either Jamar Mosey, Caden Green's family, um, PJ Adeware's family, because they're from the same basic part of Kansas City area, or 
the Maury Moores family. I mean, it's just sort of like, you know, why do they, you know, they're just going to get a big, you know, RV and just, you know, head down to Norman together as the, the Lee Summit North Kansas City, you know, D-line Sooner family. Um, so I I think, yeah, it can't, it can do nothing but hurt because that's if, that's if OU needs any push with Williams Ranieri. Um, so uh, I, I don't think, you know, if, if OU has to beat Missouri and has every other opponent has fallen off the wayside, I, I like OU's odds in that recruiting. Yeah, I think the only, what, receiver has been the only in-state receivers out of Missouri have been the only position yeah, yeah. that have, it was Macklin, Doriel Green Beckham, and then Luther Burden. Yeah, Those would be the but only Burden, guys. I don't, but Burden's more of a Kate, more of a St. Louis guy, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's right there, right? He was like yeah. East St. Louis, or yeah. But it, it, it's right there. Yeah, it's whereas you know more KC, a little a little closer to the Kansas OU kind of border area. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. So so generally, Caleb, this is about the this the this is the time when I'm usually supposed to talk about negatives from the last week. So, um, and it's hard to talk about negatives when you get a key offensive lineman, perhaps a future five-star wide receiver and the perhaps the future anchor of the middle of your run defense in the SEC. So negatives aren't like screaming at me right now, but I'll go with one. And it's kind of funny, a recruiting, you know, this kind of shows you where recruiting is and I might go on a little bit of a rant here. So there was about 24 hours of negativity this week where OU fans feared David Stone was going to visit Alabama in September and decide to go to Alabama. All because one recruiting writer said that David Stone told him he was going to visit Texas A&M and Alabama. And for 24 hours, that seemed accurate. Which sites did this recruiting writer work for? I believe he works for on3.com. So that whole thing is starting to feel super clickbaity. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a veteran guy. He's very trusted in the business, but... I just mean the site. Like there's, there seems to be. It's well, just this just, consistency exactly. of like I mean, it was, them and it was, and it was very too, different, or like being was, very, uh, like the language they will use in their updates is, well, you know, on Twitter, I, they, it's a very. It's, sort it's of, like, hey, hey, click here. It's like, hey, look, uh, this, yeah, this kid is maybe leaning to these two schools. We're not going to come out right out and say that, even though everybody knows he's going to go here. It just, yeah. It was a very bizarre. I mean, you know, it got OU fans completely riled up. Um, it was funny. Um, it was funny listening to uh, our our competitors, Brandon Drum and Arkathun, talk about on their podcast. Because Drum was like, "Yeah, the A and M guys had no idea why they were being talked about with David Stone, and, and he never." And the Alabama guys weren't real sure either. So it's sort of like, okay, what what the hell? So it was just, and to me, I mean, part of this, you know, Caleb, is when you've got these like five star top ten kids starting to make decisions. I think all of the services kind of like try and build up articles as much as they can before the decision. Because once these guys decide that they no longer have them as, as, as generators of traffic, right. You know, KJ Bolden is going to choose somewhere. And now all of a sudden that means, you know, you can't, you can't generate articles that four schools are going to look at, you know, Clemson, Georgia, you know, Alabama, maybe Tennessee. Maybe it's, I don't know if it's, that maybe his final four. I'm not sure. Cause Oh, he's not in that competition. I just know he's he's super talented. But yeah, it's just you know David Stone, and it, you know it's funny like all the drama around OU recruiting seems to be articles about Williams Winery and David Stone, and they're the number one and number 
six kids in the country. So it's it's like, okay, you know, it's sort of like, let's get in every article possible before this guy decides. And, no, then, it, we can't, and then we can't it, use him. We can't use him as an advertising thing any longer. I think it's why David no, Stone's it, recruitment's taken so long because he's like, he's realized the game. Like, man, the moment I commit, man, I become a lot less interesting, you know, from a, from my a value, my value becomes, See, becomes less I, interesting. I think for is, him, it, it'll be surprising. But I think in some ways his value will increase because he's an in-state Oklahoma kid. If he, if he chooses Oklahoma, it'll, yeah. you know, everything about like his followers, all that it's going to blow up, right? Everything, oh, yeah, will get, will, everything will will, on his will blow up. But I do think you hit the nail on the head and I think we can just go back and whether it's looking at, oh, God, what is it? The talking head that has been like just kissing Lincoln Riley's butt since he went out to USC, works for ESPN. Coward, coward. He just, coward. Yeah, he, coward. He, he, he clickbaits OU fans as he knows he gets a and, rise out of them. And that's that's what I think we've, we're seeing is in there recruiting. are, and, yeah. well, just in just the, in the content generation world. Yeah. Because yeah, I think yeah. we saw it with Brent's comments at the media day. Like he didn't take a shot at Dion. All he said was, Hey, we didn't do the same way. We gave guys grace. I just gave him 12 months, get your act right. Like he didn't, he didn't say anything negative about Dion. He just said, we did it differently. Right. But ESPN and their pardon the interruption and these different shows grabbed it and ran with it and tried to create it. Cause you know what they know they have done. Look, you know, data is new oil, right? Like everybody's capturing data on everything. And they're saying like, Hey, when the university of Oklahoma football team is mentioned, whether good or bad, particularly if we can get a rise out of people, the amount of clicks and the amount of fan interaction we get from this is huge. And now this will pay off if Oklahoma goes 11 and one or whatever it is this year and is getting ready to, you know, will they be in the playoff? Yes. I will guarantee you they will be for that very same reason is because everybody is, you know, about, this is about money, right? Go watch blue chips, Nick Nolte, the end, the end scene where he goes on a rant, like it sums up college athletics today, but it's, it's, you know, uh, it, it'll it'll help yeah. in the end there, but it, yeah, that's yeah. what this is. They've realized, hey, we can we can drive viewerships by by doing this. Yeah, I mean, it's like they, you know, I don't think they, I, you know, I, another recruiting site posted that uh, um, Bennett uh, Bennett Warren is getting ready to decide, and they put like the OU and A and M logos in there. When Warren has told everybody on every platform, I'm choosing Tennessee or Michigan. It's like. Well, why why are you putting the OU logo in here? We we know we're not getting him at on any level whatsoever. Yeah, he's why, publicly why? eliminated him. <laughs> yeah, he's I mean, he told Michael Hawkins, you know, Michael Hawkins in an interview with somebody, and you know, and they asked him, Hey Mike, what offensive lineman are you trying to recruit? I think. And you know, Michael's like, uh, I did an interview with Hawkins and Mitchell. I think it was the it was Thune and and, and Drum were able to get those guys. And you know, and Michael Hawkins says, well, I want to get Bennett Warren, but he told me that he's down to Michigan and Tennessee, so OU's out. So not talking to that guy any longer. I mean, it's like it's 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 just funny. It's like, you know, it's like OU was on TA Cunningham's list of top six. And we were like, really? Oh, okay. That's nice. Haven't, I haven't talked, talked to him in a year and a half. <laughs> haven't talked to him in about a year. I'm I'm you know, I'm happy he chose Penn State, but just odd. So that's my that's my rant. Negative, negative rant of the week is uh is, is that. So so Okay, let's just go in. Uh, let's just continue with the the week of the week. It's been a big week. So OU on Wednesday, Thursday, hosted uh, a bunch of twenty five and twenty six, and frighteningly enough, they hosted a twenty seven kid too, which is just I 
I, I, I didn't, I mean, we didn't even know that, you know, kids that young could like leave, could, you know, leave state to state without like multiple parents and a signed note or something. Um, so uh, it was a big event. They had a lot of kids in. Major Day brought in their entire crew. They're kind of traveling the country doing junior, doing junior day events. So you got a bump from that. But then just kids from Texas, in state, from some other states as well. So the five biggest names who came in, and two of these are going to make OU fans very happy. The first one is Michael Fasusi came in, and he looks every bit the top 30, possibly best offensive tackle in the country, five-star offensive lineman um, that he's supposed to be. He came in, Kevin Sperry was in his photos. I, I Everyone says, Everyone says Kevin Sperry goes to Midwest City, Carl Albert, but it's starting to, I'm starting to wonder if he has a, a dorm room on campus already because he's, he's, he's at every OU event humanly possible. So it's like, um, he, he's just every, he's everywhere. He was everywhere in these photos with kids. So Vasusi, again, elite tackle. He's been to OU like three or four times now. And he's from Louisville. So Jaden Hardy is his teammate. So OU looks to be in great, as much as they can be with a junior, with a 25 kid right now. They're in great shape with Fasusi, who looks like it'd be a really good offensive lineman. Then the other big name was Jonah Williams from Galveston Ball. He's 6'3", 6'4". He was in a photo with Marcus James. They looked about the same height. Who's at least 6'3", about 200, 205 pounds. And he is a safety Line will linebacker cheetah, whatever you want to call him. He has length, speed, athleticism for days. He's going to end up being a five star. He's like number 19 in the country. This is, I think, is his third visit to second visit to OU on social media. He seems to really be loving the Sooners right now. Then we have Ty Harwood from Denton Ryan, who's another offensive lineman, top 50 in the nation by one service, 6'6, 270. Looks really looks like good on, a million bucks. Looks like a million bucks. He'll have a, have a million bucks probably in five or six years. <laughs> five or six years. He seems to really like OU. OU obviously has Denton Ryan connections, not just Denton Geyer. Because uh, if I, I unless I'm mistaken, things uh, Caleb Hicks is from Denton Ryan, right? He is. Yeah, Caleb Hicks is a, is a Denton Ryan. Caleb Hicks and Billy Bowman, which for Oak forever. I don't yeah. know. I mean, Branch is obviously doing a really good job, and we talk about that a lot. But man, Oklahoma could not crack Denton Ryan Denton, for the longest nah, time. Yeah. Nah. So now they've got kids there. Thank you, so Jada Coleman. Yep. Um, and and thank you for three back to back to back back softball national championships as well, Jada. We're not going to forget right. your forget your on the field contributions where you are you're, you're outshining your boyfriend right now. So so Billy, you need a you need a championship to uh, to match up here. So and then Marcus James was on campus. The guy who's transferred from, I believe, Bishop McGinnis to Carl Albert. And, you know, he's 6'3, 6'4, 210 on the hook. Looks fantastic. Could again easily be like a top 50 kid in the country. You know, is he a linebacker? Is is he become an edge? You know, I don't care. Put him in a crimson uniform and let Jerry, let, let nature take his course and we'll figure out what to do with him, right? And then the last name is the interesting name because he's not getting a lot of publicity right now, but it's Julius Juju Marks from Kansas. And he's huge. He's yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a future like first round offensive tackle or if that's a future first round defensive tackle. I, I, he looks 
He yeah, is six part. seven, two seventy, and he looks. He's like that. Got that whole power forward. His frame is massive. He's got that whole power forward uh, football player look to him. Now OU has been. I, I won't say lucky, but let's just say fortunate that PJ Adeware and Williams Noeri in the Kansas City area have been five star defensive linemen, and that OU hopefully will get Winery and you get back to back. I mean Kansas City giving OU back to back top five national defense national players and you know top defensive ends is kind of ridiculous right i mean it's 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 like okay where what is this heard of but are they both are they both nigerian by uh i would ancestry yeah yes i mean they are either second first generation nigerian michael fasusi again is first or second generation nigerian um our good friend from the uk daniel aiken kimi He's his parent. His grandparents uh, are Nigerian, so um, perhaps we need to build an embassy and a training camp in um, in Nigeria at some point. Um, I don't know about that, but yes. But Marks he, on his on film looks really good, but he's still kind of putting everything together. I think his his junior film is like the moment that falls, and I start seeing game footage for him. I'm going to be sending it your way because. I think he could end up being like a, you know, and this is a silly projection, but we're talking about 25 kids. So poor, poor Caleb and I are having to make these ridiculous projections on 15 and 16 year old kids. I think he could be like a John Henderson kind of 6'6", 290, 295 kind of defensive lineman. Um, I think he could, he could maybe be that third, like, Wait a minute. Oh, you get a third five-star defensive lineman from Kansas? If I was – there are two guys, I think, that fit that mold. We'll talk about um, uh, Juju Marks is one who was there, and then Jaden Woods was the other one who was there. He's more of an edge rusher, and he's 6'3", 230. On off the edge, he's pretty elite looking. So there were a bunch of guys there. Saptown Sooner, as always, has been gathering all of their screenshots and images on our thread. We have a big thread about it. But yeah, Caleb, the 25 event and like the, you know, oh, you got two commits already out of it. Uh, we'll talk about some other guys coming up. It, it could not have gone any better. The Sooners under the Stars event was a home run hit. So here, here's, a, here's a question. And like uh, a lot of people have talked about this. You know, I know. I know Josh uh, at Scoop has that the 25 in-state Oklahoma class looks to be one of maybe, you know, I think I think I've heard folks and, and he may have said this right. You go back to what was it 2005? Is yeah, that what yeah, it was yeah, with yeah, Gerald yeah. and Jermaine and, and and those guys out of Oklahoma that it that it maybe I mean, we'll see if Sperry ends up being a five star quarterback. I think it's given the high school team he's going to be a part of. Uh wouldn't shock he's gonna me. look a lot better on he's, film. He's gonna be running. I'm interested to see like if he gets four quarters very often because of the talent yeah. they're gonna have around him. But he's yeah, I would imagine he's gonna it, what that might do for his uh you know for his ranking and things. But I mean it, it's talked about as maybe it's maybe the best class state of Oklahoma's put out in as long as anybody can remember, as long as anybody can remember. So here's a question like uh, I know it's talked about a little bit, right? Elijah Thomas and Kevin Sperry both talk about openly, which this shows a lot of maturity more than I think, you know, more than I ever had. Uh, and when I was that age, more than most people do, right? They understand like one, hey, I love Oklahoma. You know, both of them, like 
dyed in the wool, like love it. And two, like, hey, I want to be a leader of this and we want to get this put together. What kind of impact could that have on a class that's going to potentially have, I don't know, six, seven, eight kids that are going to be top 200, top 250? Well, I obviously think, you know, with with Sperry playing with three of them and in there and subtly yeah. and, you know, perhaps we need to teach Sperry um, uh, and, you know, sub- subliminal messaging, you know, and teaching him a class of subliminal messaging. So whenever he's talking to those guys, it's sort of like, you know, hut to hut to Oklahoma, hut, you know, sort of like, you know, you know, every, he's somehow just slipping in sooner. So it'd be like, you know, subliminally, you know, see the old, sub, the old subliminal man, SNL commercial, like, you know, you know, like that. I, I think it's, 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 uh, if you remember that, um, I was uh, like uh, Ace and Gary. Yeah, well, exactly. So, really funny um, so, you know, I think that's a huge impact. If nothing else, Sperry is going to be at every junior event. And it sounds like Elijah Thomas is like, no, man, I'm, I'm, because he sounds like even more of a program guy than Sperry. Like, I grew up in Oklahoma. I'm a Sooner. OU's the flagship program. I'm 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 all in. So I think it has a huge impact, especially when both of those kids could be going to camp events, could be named to all-star games. I mean, you know, uh, Sperry could eat everyone's side. I mentioned I thought Sperry could be a five-star um quarterback on an outboard pinnacle was like, Are you sure about that? And I'm like, well, you know, he's he's higher rated than Jackson Arnold was at the same time in the same frame. And he's committed to OU so much earlier. All yeah. fall, he's going to be working on kids. Every <laughs> he, he'll be at every home game. So OU has, let's just say, the some twenty twenty five kids from Vegas or a kid high pranked kid from Georgia comes to a comes to an OU game. There's a North Carolina tackle, defensive tackle OU really likes. Let's say he comes to a game. Sperry's just going to be there showing up, and then he's going to be like, "Oh yeah, I know everybody here. I'm the I'm the you know." I don't, I, Sperry seems like a really grounded kid. So I don't imply that he's going to be like, you know, he's implying like he's big man on campus, but people are going to know him, right? He's going to walk around with, you know, other OU recruits and fans are going to be like, Sperry, you know, because he's that, we can be that well known at this point, right? I mean, he's there all the time. I mean, students will see him be like, Sperry. So it's be like, it's a huge, it just is, it's, it's a huge addition. It's a, it's an almost unfair advantage for OU in recruiting to have their five to have a potential five star quarterback that close to Norman who can be at almost every event working kids. Yeah, it's it's a huge deal. If Thomas is doing the same thing, yeah, I mean it's the question is does it how much impact does it have on defenders? I don't know, but you have to think that you know CJ Nixon to use a name of a guy not at Carl Albert that's very but CJ Nixon comes to an OU home game. And both Thomas and Sperry, the two guys who are probably the only guys that could be ranked higher than C.J. Nixon. And they're there and they're talking about being Sooners and, and all that. It's just, it's a big advantage for OU. And Sperry well, played that, in Texas. He knows all those kids yeah. from 7 DFW, Yeah, he's a big DFW it's, kid. It's a, it's a big advantage. And then you stack that OU looks like they're going to do a good job with DFW again this year. Um, and then... You know, and then OU's got, you know, there's a third big offensive lineman from the DFW area, Lamont Rogers, who I think is from Mesquite, if I have that right. And he's a bigger kid. He's like 6'6", 300 already. I mean, I'm saying he's a bigger kid because the other kids are. Yeah, he's listed at, listed at 6'8", 275. So, yeah. Big. Yeah, he's a big. So, 
you've got so Sperry knows these kids. He goes to camps. He's been around these kids. You know, can you be my blockers, please? Um, you know that 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 wins and that's a winning and selling message. Message, I think, especially you know if Bill's coming off sending back to back NFL tackles again, like we think is entirely possible with Rouse and Guyton. It's a huge advantage for Oklahoma. It puts OU in a in a great position. I mean, in the wide receiver room is a direct correlation with Sperry. Wide receivers want to play with an elite quarterback. They all they all got passes from Sperry at OU summer camps because he was at every freaking type of summer camp they had. I mean, all we saw this summer was photos, was video images of Hawkins and Sperry throwing dimes to wide receivers. So yeah, and that's the other thing that like I'll it'll be interesting to watch uh with Sperry in particular, right? Like and and that you hit on so much of it, but you know, part of that, like he's gonna be going to which Carl Albert is a is a historical program in the state of Oklahoma. They yeah. you know have I think as many uh state championships as about any program. I, I, if I'm right, they not, won I'm one last sure. year. I think Mike Gaddis is a Carl Albert grad. I thought Gaddis was a, a Lawton guy. No, that was Rod Fisher. Okay. But I mean, they've got, I mean, they've. We're, they've we're way back in the Sooner Machine here. Yeah. Mike Gaddis, when Mike Gaddis, but Mike Gaddis, if it wasn't a knee injury, was, is a, probably an all time Sooner great. I mean, just. And, and so on you're bad have, Sooner teams, on bad Sooner yeah. teams. And but the yeah. other thing is, like, in Sperry is a, he's a camp guy. And we talk a little bit about that, like, jokingly with, with uh, McKinley, the defensive tackle from Louisiana, not being one and how that negatively correlated to his recruiting. Ranking and yeah, I don't but, even know if he but, had a yeah, Sperry will, at a drop of a hat will be it will yeah. be at any competition to win a trophy right and he and and the thing about Sperry is he's got this uh, I'm not saying he's Pat Mahomes because I nobody ever would have guessed Pat Mahomes is what he is but he's got like there's this Pat can make you know off platform throws and slick and just he can really sling it right like he played baseball and he's really good at different arm slots looks like a shortstop out there just whipping the ball around. Sperry's got some of that, right? Where he, again, so in a camp setting, that kid looks, he can put the ball anywhere. He's got, you know, a big time arm talent. You know, you start adding all these things together, like, okay, you're probably going to be a two time state champion quarterback, going to be playing with all these studs. You're going to put up unbelievable numbers, most likely, you know, going to look amazing on the field. Then you're going to camps and you're just ripping it apart. Like it's all laid out there for you to be Mr. Five Star. And it's also all him being committed. In the state of Oklahoma, to OU at that point, it's also laid out for him to obviously be a really big deal in the OKC area and in, in the state of Oklahoma, right? I mean, yeah. your, the news stations will be out every week covering Kevin Sperry and the Carl Albert Titans. Uh, so, I mean, his, his impact, it'll be interesting because I want to watch it, you know, because you talked about defenders. I mean, you know, uh, I think – Trenay Washington, the kid on their team. I've heard people talk about tight end. You watch his high school film. He's playing corner and he's six, three, you know, almost 200, 200. pounds. To, to me, he's, he's a guy that, Hey, we're going to put you at linebacker safety. You're probably going to play cheetah, right? You've got, you know, we're already uh, got four cheetahs for this class coming up. So we're, we're in a good, we're in a good spot with our, with our, eight, all with, with our eight deep cheetah, cheetah lineup. But hey, look, here's my thought on that. If you've got a bunch of guys that are 6'3 and they're 220, 235 pounds and run like the wind blows, that's a, a great good problem. problem to have. It's a good yeah, problem. Yeah. You've got a bunch of second level defenders that are interchangeable. Uh, but you've got CJ Nixon, who's, I, you know, again, I, I kind of like him as a tight end, but he's a 
defensive end as well. Shield Knight is that kid out of Wagner, Oklahoma's already offered. Yeah. Uh, you got Tristan Haynes, the big 6'1, 6'2 corner. That's a Carl Albert kid. Uh, you know, and then you and then you and Malik got, and Malik Hawkins. Yeah. And then you got Marcus James. I'm just thinking of like in-state defenders oh, yeah, in-state, yeah, yeah. that that Sperry and Elijah Thomas can get around and say, look, guys, let's get this locked in. Like there's a I joked, I asked you this yesterday. It's like, are they gonna have 10, 12, 15 commits for the 25 class by October? And he joked, like, hey, they might have 10. I mean, they could be a lot of these oh, kids yeah, can jump yeah, on the yeah. boat, the in-state kids. Yeah, and it would be it would be be nice to see. So so that's that was Thursday night's event. Lots of coverage on our site, Sap Town posted stuff. I'm posting comments left and right. Kayla's posting comments. Good discussion from all of our regular posters asking good questions. Lots of good recruiting stuff in there. So let's just talk Party at the Palace. Last year, Party at the Palace was a massive deal. Helped OU really kind of close out that class. OU's had so much momentum lately that the Party at the Palace is not quite going to lead to the commit fest that we, we thought. But there are still some interesting names there that we should talk about. So first off, who isn't coming? Caden Durham's going to be at LSU. Braden Platt was coming, isn't coming. And let's see what happens tomorrow. Dominic McKinley's going to LSU. He's maybe moving up his timetable. If he goes to LSU and it's kind of a lukewarm reaction coming out of that, keep an eye on that situation. Nigel Smith is going to Texas A&M, even though the entire world is put in crystal balls for him to go to OU, including all of the staff of every Texas recruiting site. Um, so I, Nigel's going to AM because I, I guess maybe he's just bored of going to OU. David Stone is at IMG. He's working out. He can't, he can't practice. I'm sorry, he's at practice. He can't make he can't make that trip back to Norman. It's just logistically just, just too tight. Same thing for Jaden Jackson. I think they both could have been there if if IMG's schedule was a little different. And Williams Nawari is not there. He's going to Oregon tomorrow. Uh, he had a chance to come down to Norman. It didn't happen. He's going to Oregon. Uh, he's going to Oregon, and that's but then, and as I understand, it, he's going to probably shut down his recruiting. What's up, everyone? It's Matt here. Uh, we finished uh, part one of the podcast this uh, past week around Thursday. Chris and Caleb were able to jump in and take the reins there, but due to some technical difficulties, the the rest of the recording dropped. So we are here on Sunday to finish episode forty of the three hundred and sixty recruiting podcast. Chris and Caleb have already gone over some of the recent commitment news and evaluations and some other news about the party at the palace. So we're going to jump in right there. Chris, what were the the main four players that ended up coming to the palace and what was the impact of this weekend? Yeah, they, they had a smaller group because it was a lot of commits, but we, we already mentioned, you know, the names that weren't there. So a lot of those guys sort of took a little bit of the shine off of it, but there were four key guys uh, who were not committed to OU that were at the event. Uh, the first name is obviously Grant Bricks. We have talked about that name left and right, how important he is to O-line recruiting. Uh, there's a great photo with Bill Biedenbaugh. With, um, he has Adrian Autry at left tackle. He has uh, Grant Bricks at right tackle. Uh, Bill Biedenbaugh is the center in the middle. And uh, flanking him is... Um, Josh Iasosa, the Edmund Santa Fe offensive guard, who's going to commit soon on August 14th. And then I believe the other guy 
is Eugene Brooks. I think Eugene Brooks and Autry both came in for the party at the Palace. So it's really kind of a great O-line shot. It's exactly how you'd like to build an O-line. You've got these two stout-looking guys at guard, and then you've got these two athletic, power-forward-looking tackles next to them. So um, Grant was in town. Everything apparently went very well with his visit. So we're just waiting for him to go to Nebraska and maybe a decision coming after that. And then uh, Matt, OU was able to, basically with a smaller group, OU was able to give a lot of attention to the uncommitted guys that were there. And one of those guys was Danny Okoye, who apparently, uh, who visited. Uh, again, a big, vis- big visit for OU to give him attention, to give the coaches, to give him attention, to be able to really sell OU and kind of frame the frame how they want to recruit Danny uh, heading into this fall with hopefully an OU official visit coming up. Uh, then it was Michael Boganowski, the safety from Junction City, Kansas, was there. This is an OU-K-State battle. Um, Boganowski's has a lot of connections to K-State through, uh, I believe his dad um, is connected to one of the K-State coaches uh, through his when his dad played at New Mexico. I think I have that right. Um, so it's kind of a battle between those two guys, between K-State and Oklahoma. And I think it's a 50-50 flip a coin. Both sides are kind of claiming that they're in the lead, and I'm not really sure where everything stands. And then the last name was uh, quarterback uh, Brendan Zerbrug uh, from Ohio uh, arrived. He The Northwestern commit, former Syracuse commit, and uh, that was a big uh, big for Zerbrug to get on campus because OU would really like to lock down a second high school quarterback in this class, I think, as soon as possible. So, Caleb, I know you had a chance to to dig into Zerbrug a little bit. So, what do you think of what do you think if OU was able to uh, make a move here and you know to give away some inside baseball? Our sources think that uh, the Zerbrug weekend went very very well. So, so Caleb, we didn't talk about him in the earlier part of the show. What what do you think of we've We've obviously talked about Okoye and Bricks to death. We love those guys. Yeah, we don't need to. We don't need to do much of an evaluation on them. We're just on. You know, we've got our fingers crossed behind us. If you could watch us on video, I got my fingers crossed here on video. When we're on YouTube, you would see this in a couple of weeks. Uh, praying that OU gets Grant Bricks and and Danny Okoye. But talk a little bit about um, Mr. Zerbrug for us. Yeah, no, but you're right. We we kind of beat Bricks and Okoye. I think Bricks would be one of the top. Awesome tackles Oklahoma signed and you know in the last decade in that grouping. Uh and Okoye's best edge rusher state of Oklahoma's produced in 25 years, probably. Uh I really actually like Zerbrug quite a bit for lots of reasons, right? There's just a lot of like he checks the box when you look at and I think I've talked about this a lot. I think a lot of the a lot of uh some of the physical traits like Hendon Hooker, uh not hand is it not, it's not hand and hooker. What is Joe Milton? Joe Milton is it would be a really good example of like kind of what I mean, where I think physical traits get over exaggerated, right? You know, he's oh, yeah. six, he's six five, two thirty-five, and can throw a football close to a hundred yards. And that's not an exaggeration. Like there's there's a lot of video of him from this spring summer at these different events, and he's throwing it. There's one, it's it, it's over 90 yards, right? I mean, he has an absolute cannon, you know, but, and he's had like flashes here and there. He had a couple of big passes against uh, Clemson, you know, but again, like the quarterback position comes down to like, can you, you know, uh, 
and you analyze very quickly on the fly, make the right decision and pull the trigger, you know, and then it comes into, if you can do that, now are you accurate? Now do you have the arm strength? Now can you throw with anticipation? Now can you throw with timing? Right. But it's, if you can't, if you can't do that, that, that first thing, I don't care about any of the rest of it, go over and hold my clipboard. And, you know, again, you look at Zerbrock, what's interesting is like his dad played at Michigan, played quarterback at Michigan under Bo Blackler in the same QB room as Jim Harbaugh. Right. And he played. He wasn't, he was a guy that played a little bit, got injured. Harbaugh came in, took over. And, you know, Harbaugh was a great college quarterback and drafted, I think, in the first round by the Bears. So, right. I mean, then he's been a head coach, a uh, really good program. Zerbrug's a, he's a two time state qualifier in the 100, uh, 110 and the 300 meter hurdles, uh, starter on the basketball team. Uh, he's so, and you look at it from a quarterback perspective, he's, He's athletic, rushed for over 800 yards, really low interceptions. You know, he's got a good arm. Uh, I just think, again, obviously grew up around the game. So a lot of those things you would want to say like, hey, he's 6'3", he's 190 pounds. Like, hey, are we going to bet on this guy? Well, that's the type of guy I'd bet on. You know, don't know that he's going to become anything. Maybe he's a backup. You know, I don't know. I wouldn't have bet that, you know, there's a lot of guys. I wouldn't have bet Kirk Cousins would have beat out Robert Griffin and would be, you know, 230 or $240 million richer in his 13th year in the NFL either. Uh, so well, you just know. look at like look at the K State quarterback and and look at Duggan last year, right? I mean, Duggan showed no signs of being that good. And the K State, the guy who took over K State, um, you know, I know Gabe Eichert, you know, has, you know, told him to switch to tight end in the preseason and games oh, yeah. and games like always living that down. He was at the big 12, you know, games like I got to keep apologizing because I told this kid, Will, Will Howard, right. Is that right? Yeah. Um, he said, I told him to switch to tight end and he, we went out and had an old big 12 preseason. I, I like the fact that he, when he's mobile, you can watch him keeping plays alive and he's always looking. It's obviously it's highlights, right? You got to understand that, but he's always looking downfield, right? He's, He's keeping plays alive, keeping play alive, and then he's making late passes, and he's scanning the whole field and, and hitting guys. So I, I think there's yeah. a lot to work with here in terms of, you know, I think a good development guy, someone who, I, as you said, has been at different programs, understands maybe what the opportunity Oklahoma is and will work on his game. And it's we need, we need, we need someone to push, um, you know, a potential Kevin Sperry ascendancy you know, in the 2026 type season, you know, we need Hawkins and Zerbrug. We need the QB room to be stacked again. And I think this could be a good, could be a good addition. No, I agree. And, you know, we talked about this a little off air. I think, and I joked about it, right. But I think quarterbacks for me in today's game, because of how, you know, wide open it is uh, and, and just the, how the passing game is built or, you know, in these spread concepts and things, I think quarterbacks by and large, the good ones and the starters fall into two categories, right? And one is like you're an efficient distributor of the football to your playmakers in space, right? And, and like you can excel doing that. You are, you know, uh, like the Mac Jones at Alabama, right? You're one of these guys that I'm just going to get it to all these studs and, and they're going to go make plays. And there's that that category of quarterback. And then you've got these next level unreal playmakers, your Josh Allens, your Pat Mahomes, your Caleb Williams, these guys that them, them you know, in and of themselves, they are highlight real playmakers, right? Well, you don't, if you're a great team and what Brent is trying to build is an all around team that is, 
is, you know, fantastic at the line of scrimmage, lots of playmakers everywhere. You don't, have, you know, Stetson Bennett is a prime example. You don't have to have Caleb Williams, a quarterback every year to compete. If you're Lincoln right. Riley and all you're going to recruit is receivers and quarterbacks and you don't care about defense, you're playing a, Hey, it's, it's like almost like a dart game, right? Like, Hey, we're going to slant and we're going to do this. And hopefully we, you know, uh, at the end of the end of the game, we've won 60% of our bets. Uh, like that's kind of what they do defensively. Then you know what, like you're going to build it all around generational play at the quarterback position. Uh, so I think, you know, he provides, you know, all the things you want, you can control, right? The size, the ability, uh, some intangibles and, and a mature kid. And you'd say, Hey, bring him in. And I realistically, I don't think that there's a, I wouldn't look at, at his Hawkins as, Hey, far and away, this his superior. I'd look at those two kids coming in pretty equal footing, to be quite honest with you, as a as a prospect, and saying, "All right, we'll see, we'll see how this goes from here." And you can't discount the the fact that he's a three sport athlete in high school. Um, that's kind of what made a guy like Tony Romo successful. He's not, you know, six five with a rocket arm or anything like that. Kind of like you talked about earlier, but. Well-rounded player. He played basketball. He played golf. He played, uh, I think he played baseball too, uh, all through high school. So, well, you know, not, not saying he is, he is this, but you know, Sam Bradford was same basket, thing. basketball, golf, and he played hockey and, too. He was a hockey and, guy. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, we're not saying this guy, Sam Bradford, I'm not suggesting that, but you know, he's a, a similar Bradford frame. was a three-star. That Bradford like, was, you know, he's a, that you know, has been like you know, internet was, OU dad, for yeah. I mean, Sam Bradford's dad was like an OU alum, like you know. <laughs> so you know, there's some parallels there. If you want to go ahead and make that kind of make that jump, we're not. Um, but you you just sometimes you just never. I mean, the five star thing seems to be getting better and better in terms of the elite eleven kind of establishing who are kind of maybe the better quarterbacks. Um, but you know. Most of the 2000s, the the Elite Eleven tag was kind of a curse for a while. So you just you just never know. And I think he would be a oh, you just got to get back to having some high school quarterbacks in their quarterback room that are de- that he de- that are developed by the OU staff. I mean, we just got to get back to that and and can't skip this whole do this whole recruiting cl- skipping classes um, in terms of QB recruiting. So. All right. Well, we'll be looking out for a possible flip date for Zerbrug coming up uh stick to the board for the latest on that uh speaking of commits coming up chris is there a, a little timeline we have starting with mikhail patterson mcdonald tomorrow yeah he's he's announcing tomorrow we have a we have a youtube video interview with him that's going to be going uh going should be going live today that you'll be able to watch we'll i'll be posting that on twitter links on twitter so everyone who's listening to the podcast can go ahead and Listen to that interview right before he makes his uh, commitment announcement. It's a really good interview. Gives really good background on him and some perspective on his play. And and uh, you know Michael did a you know Michael's really busy. He was getting a lot of interview requests, so he was very generous to give us some 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 of his time. But he's announcing seven thirty one. I'll be stunned if that's not Oklahoma. Um, but you know and anything can happen in recruiting. Um, then as I mentioned, Josh Iasosa is going on eight fourteen. That's also trending heavily to OU. Uh, he would be a good, uh, I think, you know, Caleb and I've already talked about him. We like him as a, as a guard. We kind of did some of the most recent articles on him kind of told us that he'd only been playing football for two years. So his ceiling is, he's got a really high ceiling there as well. 
Um, David Stone obviously announced that he's going to he's going to commit eight twenty six. Somehow he's going to skip going to Alabama and A and M official visits in the fall, like uh, a certain site said he was going to take. Uh, and then we have Williams Noweri. Um, if you trust Parker Thune on his podcast, and Parker's visited those guys at Lynn, uh, Summit Lee North more than anybody else, so. Um, you know, he's saying he thinks Winery is going to commit on eight seven. So, have not seen that officially from the player himself. Uh, and then, just as we started recording, Caden Durham yesterday said he was changing his commit date, and then he's saying he he's going to make an announcement today at three o'clock. We probably won't be online for that, um, but I think all signs are probably pointing towards an LSU commitment. So. Matt, that's what's really kind of what's going on in the next 30 days. All right. We'll keep to the board for the latest on some of these guys. Uh, you know, Chris mentioned giving Parker Thune some some props for that Nwerni stuff. Um, you know, props to him for sure for being up there and, and being in the loop with those guys the most. Um, so we'll just have to kind of wait over the next week or so and see what happens there. Chris, do you want to take us into this last segment? Uh, you have a little uh, bold prediction time roundtable scheduled for us. Yeah, so so OU's about to break camp, and this is usually the time when like uh, college football writers and now college football podcasters are like, "What's a, what's your bold prediction prediction for the season?" So you know, like um, you know, Maryland's going to go undefeated and win the Big Ten. East or something silly like that would be a bold prediction. I'm glad sorry, you Maryland. added silly because yeah. Sorry, Maryland fans. You know, maybe maybe you're gonna be improved, but the thought of Maryland beating Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State seems 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 really bold. Um, one of the guys on Sirius XM, I think Ari Temkin, is predicting Oklahoma State's gonna win the Big 12, which I think is a rather bold prediction. So we're recruiting guys, and this is a recruiting podcast. So we're gonna do bold recruiting predictions. So each one of us are going to have to come up with three bold recruiting predictions. And uh, we're going to start with me and my bold recruiting prediction starting out is OU sign. OU gets verbal commitments and eventually signs six offensive linemen, including Grant Bricks and Eddie Pierre-Louis. And they take Aya Sosa and Daniel Aiken Kimmy bringing six high school offensive linemen and in the class. Uh, they, I think they get Ayasosa as well. So it's a six player class, including four of the top guys that Bill wanted. So uh, as the Zen master would say, whenever you, if you've seen the, if you've seen um, the Tom Hanks movie about the Afghanistan secret war, uh, um, uh, the, the Charlie CIA, Wilson's war. Charlie Wilson's war, the CIA guy, is always, you know, he always says like, you know, well, let's see what happens, right? It's like the Zen master says, it's presented with something and the Zen master says, we'll see. So I think offensive recruiting, line recruiting is a little bit like that. It's like, ah, it's bad, it's bad. It's like, and, you know, and then we try to say, yep, we'll see. So I think that's what happens. Bill gets six guys and he gets four of the guys he really wants, including Bricks and um, Eddie Pierre-Louis, who I think are just would be a... a a devastating combo for OU. So that's my first bold prediction. Well, that's not bad. I would take it. <laughs> I think everybody, if if you're unhappy with that six offensive lineman group, 
then you're just unhappy about O-line. You're just unhappy about O-line recruiting regardless of the results. Well, I, I can get if people, I, and again, I think offensive line and we, you know, I've talked at this ad nauseum, right? Ad nauseum. But I mean, just I, meaning that I think everyone really gets caught up in in stars and and recruiting rankings. I mean, way too much. I'll be honest, like, you know, I usually do a tangent per podcast. Here's, here's my tangent for this one. I absolutely cannot stand. I mean, frigging hate is the word. Okay. Every time I listen to these talking heads and they define these kids by stars they have x number of x stars he was a x star i just want to reach the tv and open hand <laughs> slap them as hard as i can and be like dude just shut up <laughs> you know what i mean like all right because because half of it's just it's all just it's all bullshit right like once you sign like you're just a worm shit freshman just go play and then define like hey I don't care what he was ranked out of high school he's all conference right he's all big 12 he's all sec like stop living in the past of he was this uh, but I think that would be the problem with that is people say, oh, ISOS is a three-star. Oh, Daniel and Kumi is a three-star. And not looking at, well, like watch the kid move, watch his tape, look at his body, understand his past. And you have to, again, you're judging this moving forward. That's my problem with the star thing is it's, yeah. it's looking at this with a backwards lens. And like, you just don't do that, right? Like you look at this with the forward lens of like, what are they going to be and develop into? A little bit like Logan Howland last year, yeah. Early when we, you know, we're recruiting him hard, he wasn't ranked very high. I think he did end up with a four star, right, Chris? Possibly. So. Yeah, he did. I mean, it, it's barely, barely. But if you looked at his film, it was like his senior film. He's actually playing offensive tackle after he signed. Dropped after he signed. If you really looked at it, you'd be like, "That's a top one hundred potential type kid." That's. You know, he, he looked that good. So, yeah. It's, but, it's, but again, but the reason you say that is because you're looking at him with a forward-looking lens yeah. and saying, oh, that's his first year playing. Once he adds 30 pounds and once he gets in a weight room and once he's with Bill, he's, he's, he's going still to be. six seven yeah. with those with the feet and the wingspan. So, yeah. all right. And, and, so you so, bought yourself some more time for your prediction there, Caleb. Uh, no, your mine's, mine's actually super easy. Mine would be, uh, this is like the hopium pipe. Right. Yep. Here's my, but that's what this is. Yep. My this prediction is, is my prediction is come uh, the December signing period, Oklahoma will sign effectively the best defensive line class since the Selmans. Uh, and they will sign three, five-star defensive linemen. I think they're good. Danny Okoye will find a way to be a five-star rightfully. So I think someone said he's 76 nationally on one of the, one of the services. So, which is about uh, Adeware was not ranked that highly at this point last year. So he could jump, he could easily jump. So, yeah. And and, and I'm going to say they're also going to land, uh, Williams and who is again, five-star already. Uh, so did I say three, they're going to sign yes. four. They will sign four, five stars. That's, that's your bold prediction. Four, that's four, my four. Bold prediction. All right. I'm going to say Danny Okoye gets there. Williams Nawari is already there. David Stone is already there. And magically Oklahoma is going to sign Dominic McKinley and, and, and they'll get him where he should be. And, you know, he is on, I think on three or one of these has him as a five-star. I'll say by the end, Everybody realizes he should be across the board in Oklahoma Science four five star defensive linemen. All right, that would make everyone happy, um, and uh, every service would you know would have a hard time. That would be the that would be the best defensive line class in the country. Do Ohio, you remember Ohio State trending 
being the only team that probably could compete with it with Justin Scott, Edric Houston. And if mm. they get the Dylan Stewart kid from DC, that would be the only, only off defensive line class that can, could compare. But yeah. What did I, what did AM sign in terms of defensive line class that, that year? Do you remember? It would be close. So I'd have to go back and look three, at three, right? It would be okay. close. It would be very, very close. Yeah. It'll be interesting what, to look up and see if anybody's ever Anthony Luke, Anthony Lucas. And of course they got Overton as that bonus kick in. So it would probably, I think they had five defensive linemen who were ranked in the top 30 by at least one service. Yeah. They might've had five. Yeah. Cause there's no oh, one impressive. Yeah. Lucas. Gabe Dindy. Yeah. That's right. That's um, right. The kid from Philadelphia from Emmentap high school. Um, if I think I have that, I think I have that right from Philadelphia right. and then um, Lebius Overton. I think that would that makes five at A and M, and they lost already lost one of them. So, all right, man. Well, we've, we've, was... we've already we've taken the trenches away from you. Although you could make a completely different bold prediction, but go ahead. You 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 have the rest. We've taken the trenches, so we've left you the rest of the entire roster free for a for a radical prediction. Before I get too radical, I think OU will sign Braden Platt. I think in the end, the distance isn't as big of a factor as some might think, uh, just kind of based on his family history. They are a military family. They are not specifically tied with roots to the Northwest, Pacific Northwest. And, you know, Dan Lanning is a, is a good defensive coach, but I think it's going to be hard to overcome the pedigree of Brent Venables of Oklahoma going to the SEC and his fit in the defense. So I think uh, come what, what, what was the date that we had earlier? Uh, it's September 4th. Just by, just by the, yeah, December, sorry, September 4th, he will make an announcement. And, and it's, he didn't make the party in the palace, but I think it's still 50, 50 OU Oregon. No yeah. one has, no one has a good read on that situation. Some people are like, well, distance is, gives Oregon a chance. I'm like, and, and Bill and Brent Venables being the linebacker master trainer, does not help you with a line with a with the with a linebacker they they absolutely love. So yeah, that's a good okay. Yep. So I think Venable zeroes in on that one, and in a little over a month, uh, Platt is a member of this class. All right, I'm going to go with a little more controversial, bolder pick here. I think if he commits to A and M in August, OU flips Terry Bussey by signing day. Wow. Well, if you go 10 and two on the field and maybe Jackson Arnold shows something in, in his limited snaps. I, I, I think A&M is, is, is pushing for an August commit, but I think he's really, he's gotten very, very interested in OU. So I think A&M, I'm hope I'm presuming, a, I'm presuming the Petrino um, Jimbo Fisher uh, is got thing is going to implode. If I was making off the, you know, actual on the field predictions, I would predict a fist fight between Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher uh, at some point by the end of the year. I I'd give anything for another meme to pop up of Petrino in a uh, neck brace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, Jimbo Fisher pile drive does a pile driver and puts him into the fake wrestling, you know, the fake wrestling neck curve that they put that some of the wrestlers wear after like neck injuries, the cervical collar looking thing. Yeah. So that's my bold prediction. OU keeps working Terry Bussey even after an August AM commit and flips him. Back okay. to you, Caleb. Back to you, Caleb. Back to me. Where do I? This is it's really difficult. 
this one's going to kind of be out of left field. All right. That's but what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. Okay. I'm going to go for another flip. I'm going to say this one is in the defensive secondary. And I'm going to say, first off, like I've, I've got to get this in there and I'll probably put it in an article at some point, but Oklahoma's going to go 11 and one. Like there's just at the end of the day this year, you look at that schedule, like this, this is mind blowing to me. Only six opponents on their schedule were in the power five or in a power five conference last year. All other six were group of five of those power five schools. They had a combined record 43 and 35, and that is including TCU pulling off a 13 and two. Okay. So, I mean, it's, there's a stat for you. It was Iowa State four and eight, Texas eight and five, Kansas six and seven, Oak State seven and six, West Virginia five and seven, right? That's who Oklahoma was playing this year. And you're telling me they've gotten better to the point that their two starting defensive ends are now three and four. Their two starting defensive tackles and their Jordan Kelly was their best defensive tackle last year are now likely going to be three and four on the depth chart, right? I mean, it's just, they've gotten a or, lot or, better. Or are going to have to play their ass off for playing time, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think they've gotten a lot better. They'll do that. And I'm going to say Florida, if you look at their schedule, they're I think they're going to struggle, okay? I really do. And I actually like the quarterback, Graham Mertz, they got in. I'm going to say Oklahoma, going to go 11-1. and one. I'm going to say Florida's really going to struggle, and Oklahoma's going to flip a top five safety in the country, but it's not going to be Aaron Flowers. It's going to be Xavier uh, Filsami, and they'll flip him late in the year. That's a, that's a bold, that's a spicy prediction. I like that. like that a lot, Caleb. All right. Matt, we've kind of given you some a little more some ideas of where to go, so we're back to you. Well, it, I guess theoretically we could take 30 guys, right? So yeah, if well, I keep adding I'm, to this I'm, list, I'm posting, can, yeah. I am posting a prediction guys on our website. Uh, it's, it's in my inbox, ready to go to Matt, to the master, the master editor. Um, and it is 29 kids right now. Okay. So, and, and, I've, and I've no idea how to, re- how to reduce that right now. No idea. I mean, I feel like they have to take these talents, especially this guy I'm about to talk about. Although, cornerback recruiting has been kind of interesting it's almost like they're waiting on something like this to happen and i think with a 10 and 2 11 and 1 season or at least halfway through the year you're looking you know you're 7 and 0 8 and 0 7 and 1 i think kobe black ends up in norman there's ties with his father to venables the the sp- the spot is there to come in and and really play early uh, with Jay Valai, you can never count him out on the recruiting trail. I think with a good start to the year, Black seems like he's he's fine with waiting a little bit into the season. I don't, Chris, has he said anything about that? Is he waiting until signing day? We don't nothing, really know a word. Nothing. He has like five official visits scheduled for the fall. I, there's there's no hint that he's deciding before signing day um, at all. He may decide signing day. Hell, he may choose an all-star game and be one of those guys. It, there's, there's, he's giving no hint of being close to done. Well, there's plenty of time, and, and we've gotten word that OU might be second in that race right now, which is a far cry from where we thought they were a couple months ago. We didn't really know how, how much traction we would get with, with Black, but it seems like we are possibly a finalist, and I think maybe we crack that 
uh, by signing day. All right. My final prediction. So I went with O-line. I went with Terry Bussey. So my final prediction is that OU always has a decommit, and that decommit is coming from the wide receiver room. And it's going to be either, and I think it's probably going to be either Harry on um, uh, Dozy or KJ Daniels. I just think five is five's five's a five's a tough number. I think to keep um, heading it in the fall. So I think that's where OU classically gets a decommit. Brent's done a good job limiting that. Last year it was just Vasic and the the wide the speedy wide receiver who chose Cozart. Georgia and Cozart. Yeah, I don't really so count. So two that. wide receivers. Two yeah, wide receivers. Wasn't Cozart committed to OU before Brent, right? And then Brent. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yes. probably true. Yeah, and you yeah. know, plus, you know, anyway, I, it's when recruiting really got going after June and after June and July, you know, when they were really the guys they really were focused on. So I think we're gonna lose someone from the wide receiver room and um be down to four wide receivers, depending upon my other prediction. So I think that's the only negative prediction I got is that they're going to lose someone from the wide receiver room who's just going to, I think, I think all of those guys are going to be pretty, have pretty talented seasons. So I think there's a chance that one of them may just decide that he could be uh, maybe the first or second wide receiver in a different recruiting class. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would say I, uh, I think it's interesting. I think most everything we've said here is like, it's not like, out of the, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Everything has, you know, maybe 10 to 20% possibility. Some of these are probably greater. Uh, that one might have the highest because also I think you look at what Oklahoma is doing at the receiver position in 2025 already. Yeah. And, and there's so many, there's some really good, like, so, you know, Mosey and then Nickens both still out there. And if you get both in, you're looking at four after a year in which you took five. You know, yeah, maybe maybe you see someone move and and you take four and four. So I, mine is again. I, I don't, so my last one, it might be a little far fetched as well, but it's rooted in I think you know looking in you know into like uh, what what Brent has done thus far and saying don't know how you did it, but you did it, and, and that is this. I'm gonna say. I don't know how Oklahoma will convince Andrew ba- Andy Bass at a Heritage Hall to play and come in as a preferred walk-on with the potential to earn a scholarship, given that he already has I think, a couple of power five offers. I'm going to say they do. So my, my last one is they convince Bass to come to Oklahoma as a preferred walk-on in lieu of taking a scholarship elsewhere. You know, they did it last year with an Oklahoma kid and Andrew Henning. Uh, I think there was a couple of guys. Uh, well, actually, it's, it's maybe the bigger comp, Gavin Freeman, right? Oh, but no, I mean, honestly. Oh, like, in, terms, in terms of terms of process, in terms right? of In terms of them being able to go in and find an in-state kid that, hey, you've got an offer somewhere else that's yeah. a good school, and BYU's a good school, but – you know, instead of taking a scholarship there, come play here as a walk-on and we'll, we'll, you know, Oklahoma kids can get better NIL deals. You know, you'll, you'll live a better life as a Oklahoma preferred walk-on with NIL than you will at BYU with a scholarship. And just just having to manage the 85 number means they can, if a couple of, you know, let's just say a running back left the running back room and hit the portal, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, he enrolls and you just shift the shop. You just, Shift a scholarship around, right? Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because so. I, I, I mean, I bass to me, like, uh, I mean, Gavin Freeman got a scholarship super quick. I'm, and yeah. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I 
fast is to me as a as a recruit his far superior. He's 5'11 and ooh, a half, ooh, 200 this. pounds, junior running 10-5. He runs 10-500 yeah. meter, and he is like he's a yoked up kid. I he mean, is. He's a, whether you had him in the slot or you just had him in, as a running back or you're using him as a gadget guy and we're going to get you the ball all over. He just seems like a type of guy that, you know, uh, he's a playmaker. I mean, like Gavin Freeman is a good example, right? He came in yeah. with Gibson and uh, – uh, Nick Anderson, Nick Anderson, Nick Anderson, right? Highly recruited guys. I had and a better was, freshman year than the, yeah. the had the only had had the best year of it. So the yeah, only yeah. freshman year, basically, out of those. Absolutely, two. Uh, yeah. And you and you listen to Barry, and like Barry will tell you, like he'll, he's a future guy that will play in the NFL. So well, I'm actually going to tie up one additional prediction. I'm going to actually predict if that does happen, that that Bass is Barry's next um, walk on recruit crush. So <laughs> uh, he's he, you know. Barry is like buying every piece of stock in Gavin Freeman he can find. And I, I, I predict if, if OU gets it's Andy Bass, right? Is it Andy Bass? And, right. Andy Bass. Yeah. Yeah. If they, OU gets Andy Bass, that, that, that Barry is, is even as we speak, snorkeling in, in, in the Dominican Republic is figuring out a way to free buy Andy Bass stock. So that's my prediction. So, all right, Matt, the final, you get the final authoritative say on off the wall or potential predictions for signing day. We'll, we'll, we'll review this after signing day to see if any of these pan out. Um, but go ahead. You've got a, you get the final say in this, in this, in this little, this little prediction contest. And, and we're only going to review what we get right. Correct. We're not. Gonna, oh yeah. We're going to forget the stuff we okay. got wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, okay. Well, oh, you guys is- said, you guys said that right? there's no tape evidence that, you know, this, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll go back and edit this, this portion of this tape for, for the archive to make sure we don't look as, as stupid as possible. Scrub it from the records. That's right. Well, this this last prediction might just tie all this in together. I think we finish with the number three overall class. I think there's a little bit too much high-end talent in Georgia and Alabama's classes to uh, surpass them, even with uh, four or five, five stars on the de- defense and some of these other guys we've been talking about. But I think we finish third solidly, which gives Venables the fourth class and third class uh, as freshmen and sophomore heading into the SEC. Ohio State maybe have something to say about that, but that is an interesting if, – if I ran the numbers right now in my head because I've been running the numbers with the recruiting class stuff I've been doing, if we, if we were right about Bass – I'm sorry, no, sorry about Bussy, Bussy – Platt, Phil Sami, and Kobe Black. Bryant. Uh, yeah, not Kobe Bryant, but Black. <laughs> Can I get Kobe yeah. Bryant? I, you know, it's it's and McKinley, and, and, and the McKinley thing. I think that puts OU like three hundred and five points, which would be like the first time OU's been over three hundred, and would put OU squarely behind just Georgia and maybe Alabama. Well, maybe here's Ohio the, here's, State, maybe Ohio State, but but it would be if you think about that, Phil. Adding those guys, that's four. That's two five stars and four additional a total top one hundred talents, and they're all on the and other than Bussy, they're all on the defensive side of the ball, and that's and that's that's that that, that the secondary class goes from okay to whoa, okay, that's a that's a serious defensive class, and then. The D line class is great, um, but uh, 
obviously well, would be great. It's, it's weird because you know you there's there's so much variation in some of the some of the Picks. services because yeah. you know like you look at like Grant Bricks, you know he's a composite. He's number seventy four. Yeah. Right? But like two four seven has him at one thirty two, and you look at Braden Platt composite, he's two seventeen. But two four seven has him at seventy two, and it's I think it's probably similar for Okoye. And, and to me, it's like if that's the they'll, class they'll, they sign, they'll balance they'll balance out some of the services. Yeah. Some of the services yeah. will some of the services will will. It was just like Okoye. Um, sorry, no, uh, it was just like Adaware last year. One of the services had him super high. Like they jumped. Like whoa, I think it was on three. Was like because they do the clean the clean sheet of paper, right? Like yeah. they redid a clean sheet of paper. Like he's a top five guy in the nation. And all of a sudden the other service is like, Oh, okay. And they did the same Weird. thing with Peyton. Did the same thing with Peyton Bowen. They were like, Peyton Bowen's a top 20 kid in the country. It's like right after the, yeah. right after that ESPN game where he went crazy. Here's the so, wild thing about that class though, is you running the numbers on it. That's with everybody staying pat. There's a realistic. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of I mean, that, of that group, you could make honestly, right? You could say, "Hey, let's say everybody else catches up to Danny Okoye, and they see him as a top fifty player, and everybody else catches up to Platt, and they start seeing him as a top sixty player." And at that point, would that potentially move him into like a number one, number two, or no? Even with if you because Black is a five star, that would put you at four defensive linemen that were five stars and a defensive back that was a five star and a running back is a five star and a run. So that's six, five stars. And then Bussy is a five star after I ran it about hating calling these guys that. Yep. 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 <laughs> you, 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 you dirty hypocrite. Yeah, um, much. I, I think there's a up. little bit too much, uh, like nothing against these guys. We all think they're good prospects. Azukanma, Autry, Michael Hawkins, KJ Daniels. Uh, yeah, I know. I see what you're saying there. Yeah, there's too many like three stars that are projects, maybe. Right. Which are, I mean, they're yeah. good projects. Well, I mean, you know, Mike Hawkins has a has a bounce back season at Frisco Reedy. Is that right? That's not right. Uh, uh, Frisco Emerson. Emerson. Um, he has a bounce back season there and plays and plays his ass off. He's he's back to a composite four star top three hundred. Right. Um, any of the you know. Zion Reagan's puts up senior film like we expect. All of a sudden, I think once people actually go look at the film again, I think he's back in the top 100 range uh, easily because of his speed, right? I mean, you know, and then, you know, somebody like Eugene Brooks has rankings all over the place. If he just settles in towards like everyone putting him in the top 300 range now that he's lost weight, he plays better. I think Isaiah Autry's underranked. So yeah, I think there's a lot of movement up. I think Devin Jordan, for example, if he chooses OU, is underranked. You know, um, he's a Bama. I mean, you know, Bama badly wants him at cornerback, and he's a big corner. So Davin Mitchell reclassified. Davin Mitchell could again could easily, with a great season at Los Alamitos, could jump into the top top fifty. He's already like I like ninety eight or something like that composite. So he could easily. 85. So he could move up easily to the top 50, I think, because he's his blocking is better. He's a better physical prospect than some of the other tight ends ranked ahead of him. Just there. Oh, yeah. Small. You see him from this past he's, weekend. He, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. On the hoof. I, uh, there was a wow. There was, a, there was one of the story from one of our competitors that said that Mitchell and Okoye played one on one hoops against each other. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to see that film. I want to see. Is, there, is there's no, How is there no footage of those guys playing, you know? Playing, you know, playing hoops against each other, because um, that would be like, you know, who's bounce, who's bouncing off who? I mean, they're both, you know, they're almost twins physically, size wise. But yeah, I think, I think it's an interesting prediction. You know, 
bad. I think the bolder prediction would have been that, um, and I'll go with one last one. So I'm boldly going to predict that based upon how 2025 is going and with the kids that they're recruiting and the in-state kids that are about to get, should be getting huge bumps in their rankings. I think OU gets a number one recruiting class in 2025. If this season on the field is what we expect. Damn. 18 months, 18 months out, throwing down the the number one prediction gauntlet. So that would mean that, you know, and I think you're talking about this, like if you're this may be a good example of Oklahoma signs even remotely that class, right? Even if it's just those guys that say they miss Kobe Black, but they get Platt and you know, or one of these, right? You're you're getting into where like you're kind of splitting hairs on some of these kids, right? Yeah, you're yeah, like, you, well, are, you are. Yeah. So your top three, regardless. So you were saying, okay, are you two? Well, you could be two because this kid's under. Yeah, I mean, I tend whatever. To do a cons- but do but a here's consensus. the, but do, the here's, do a consensus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the wild thing. You would be telling me that like by the time Oklahoma's going into year two in the SEC, Brent Venables' first three classes, but he signed, right? What he had a full cycle with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh would be what like Three, three, or maybe four. Is it what was Oklahoma last year? Four or five? Four, four. So they were composite, like, co- composite four. Okay. Rivals five. It, you okay, know, so just you'd be, yeah. you'd be four, three, one. Yes. And they were, and they were, and they were the, the David Hicks flip away from like three, three, two or three. I mean, that was that close that if, if the flip, the projected flip of Hicks had happened, that they would have been that close. That that's close. how you. That's how. That's how you win a national title. Well, it's not just four, three, one. It's two five-star quarterbacks. If yeah. we think Kevin yeah. Sperry is going to be a five-star, that's what I, I love do. about this. I, I do. I mean, we talked about this before. Uh, was one of the rants we went on was just like what the twenty twenty-five Oklahoma in-state class could look like, and I'm probably the most interested in seeing him playing with in. I don't mean this in a negative way towards like high school he played at in Frisco because it's a very new school. They've been around oh, yeah, for like yeah, four yeah, years, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, but seeing him on a, on a team that he's going to be on with that type of talent around him, it, it'll be well, when he's not running, he when he can actually stand in the pocket, read a defense and make a throw. And he's not yeah. constantly running for his life and, or he's just handing the ball off <laughs> or his off where his offensive linemen almost looked like they hated him. To the to yeah. the degree which they weren't blocking. Well, I mean, it's just tough to be in that in that area in North yeah. Texas. You know, well, I mean, he's playing loaded talent. roster, rosters yeah. every week. So yeah, it's it's interesting. But you you you. But I mean, you're talking Sperry, Jonah Williams, Michael Fasusi, Marcus James, C.J. Nixon, Ty Hayward, Lamont Rogers. Um, you know, I have a shot at Devin Sanchez, maybe maybe it's it's not as good as it was 12 months ago, but I think with a good season, it is. Um, yeah, it's uh, they could they could have a shot at a number one class, especially when you have a five-star quarterback who is literally pied pipering that class. 16, you know, we're 15, you know, we're 17 months away, and he's already pied pipering the class. I mean, you know, they Star tight ends, star wide receivers. We know they're going to get a stud running back because because that's what Demarco Murray just does. Um, it could have an elite O line class because Douglas Utu from Gorman is also interested. He's the five star, right? And he's a, he's he's, he's 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 a, he's top rated. So yeah, I mean, you could. The only thing missing is like an elite big defensive end or big defensive or a three technique defensive defensive tackle. 
There's no Adeware stone or Winery in the class projected in the class yet. But if OU has a big season, I think everything is everything is in play. And again, like I just can't. I I struggle to look at that schedule and what Oklahoma's. Even if they hadn't added yep. this, right? You would just assume that, like Ethan Downs and Jordan Kelly, and these guys. Let's say they're just going to be better. But like, not only would they are they better? Like you've brought in essentially better players. Uh, I just can't look. I struggle to look at that schedule and say, <laughs> again, you know, uh, you're playing a group of five, and half half of it's group of five, and the other half of it is pretty average power five. Like that's, you know, that is an 11 and one season where you just say, Hey, Texas is a coin flip. And like, you know, it's, you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds. So you have just an off game, but uh, that that's a, that's a schedule. Oklahoma should be going 11 and one and winning the big 12. And we talked about this as well, right? When you do that at Oklahoma because of how the media works and it's driven by, it's a content world that is yeah. interaction, Oklahoma, the name drives a ton of interaction. They'll be in the playoff. Uh, so it's, it'll be, it'll be, uh, and the amount of everybody knows this and I won't complain about it really Ex- externally, internally, it'll bother me. So I'll get that off on the record here, but everybody on ESPN will, <laughs> if Oklahoma makes the playoff, it will not be big 12 Oklahoma. It will be future sec Oklahoma yes. is. And that's what it will be. It'll be like, if it's Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, and then if it's you know, LSU, Alabama, uh, Ohio state, whatever it is, they'll be talking about, well, you have three future sec teams and a big 10 opponent. You know what I mean? They're not going to refer to Oklahoma much as yeah, a I big mean, 12 team. The big 12 nightmare rematch of OU Texas in the, in the title game, big 12 yeah, title would, game, right? You just, because ESPN will just, you know, it won't even be a big 12 game. They'll be just talking about it. It's the second SEC title game. Yeah. That would um, stink for, that would stink for the, uh, yeah. I can't think but, of the, uh, the was it uh, your mark? Your mark. He, he, so, he yeah. probably wouldn't care for that too much. Nope. So Matt, that's our, that's our bold predictions. So next week, uh, our final our, next week, we're going to take a little look at our, our, commit predictions i'm going to spend some time this week listening to the podcast where we did that and do some math and see how 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 are we doing and where are we going so that'll be next week okay and maybe a little more 2025 talk next week to get some some new names out there definitely because there may be we could easily see a couple more commitments there's like five or six kids that look like they could fall so lots of news on 2025 yeah, that class is already picking up steam. All right, head to the board uh, to hear more about these names. Uh, we have Mikkel Patterson-McDonald's commitment tomorrow, uh, Monday the 31st at 5.30 p.m. Central, Chris? Yep, and then his interview, is, interview, his YouTube interview is going live tonight. That'll be up tonight, so check that out as well. Um, so head on over to the board. And also, as a reminder, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform of choice. We will be coming to YouTube very soon. uh, So stick to the board for more info on that as well. And we will see everybody around the water cooler. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, 
Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.